Welcome to the Prairie Heights Podcast. Thanks for listening today. I hope it motivates you. I hope it builds your faith and helps you connect with Christ and a church family here at Prairie Heights. Enjoy the message. Scrolling likes, heart emojis. Those make you feel good moments when you see that Insta story, those filters. Did you get my snap? Can you believe what's trending right now? We're talking about influence today. And what does it take to be an influencer today? So as we get started, I wanna give us a definition for influencer. And I'm talking about being a social media influencer. An influencer is someone in your niche or industry with sway over your target audience. Influencers have specialized knowledge, authority, or insight into a specific subject. So if you're an influencer, you've gotta have some followers, right? And would you know it that they've come up with four different types of influencers and it's based on how many followers you have. So let's walk through the four types. We've got nano-influencers, those that influence 1,000 to 10,000 have those amount of followers, micro-influencers, 10 to 100,000, macro-influencers, 100,000 to a million. Anybody in the room? Anybody? No? Okay, yeah, me either. All right, mega or celebrity influencers, a million plus followers. So you might be wondering, who tops the charts? Who tops the charts currently as influencers? Uh, We looked it up, and here's who tops the list of influencers today. Uh, Cristiano Ronaldo, a professional soccer player, is number one with 484 million followers. That's insane. That's insane. You'd think uh, his phone would blow up after that many followers. Uh, All right, Justin Bieber is next, of course. Come on. And then we've got Ariana Grande, Selena Gomez, and Taylor Swift. That's who tops the charts as influencers today. But what if I told you, what if I told you that there's an influencer who breaks those types of influencers, uh, breaks that apart, who their amount of followers is way higher Their influence has lasted way longer. They've transformed more lives and whose leadership way outlasted their life on here, uh, here on earth. Coming in at just 2.56 billion followers is Jesus Christ. Yeah, isn't that amazing? That this many years later, at 2.56 billion actual followers. <laughs> we'll talk about that a little bit more. What does it look like to actually follow Jesus, Jesus Christ? Time Magazine calls Jesus the most influential figure in history. Before electricity, phones, internet, social media, how did Jesus Christ become the greatest influencer of all time? And the answer to that question lies in who you believe Jesus is. Who do you believe that Jesus is? And in this five-week series that we are calling Jesus the Influencer, we're gonna learn how to influence others by uncovering the 
the consistent character traits that Jesus lived by. But before we can do that, we have to first answer the question, who is Jesus? Who is Jesus? And as we go through the message today, what I want you to, I want you to really pay attention to the details because maybe you've been going to church for a really long time and it might be possible that you just take for granted who Jesus is and what you know about his life and who he is to you. And so whether today's your very first time at Prairie Heights and you have no church background and so this whole thing is brand new, I want you to know that uh, I believe that today's message is gonna meet you exactly where you're at or if you've been a part of God's family, you've been a follower of Jesus for many, many years, I believe that today, you and I, no matter where we're at in our spiritual journey, can learn something new about who Jesus is and we can really learn what that means for our life on a day-to-day basis. The most historical and detailed record of Jesus' life is found in the Gospels. And the Gospels are Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And those are the first four books of the New Testament. And each one of those books and each one of those people wrote about an account about the account of Jesus' life. And each one of them has different details and different stories of Jesus' life. So we're gonna walk through today a high-level timeline and story of Jesus' life while he was here on earth. And it's gonna help us answer the question, who is Jesus? Who is Jesus? So let's start at the, uh, let's start at the beginning of his story when he came here on earth. He was born as a baby. Jesus was born as a baby. And isn't it interesting that the foretold savior of the world came into our world as a baby, even though he was God. And he came as fully God and fully human and and he came vulnerable. He came, when he came into the world as a baby, that meant he was vulnerable right? And someone else had to take care of him and had to raise him. And so in Luke 2, 16 through 17, we read these verses, and it's about the first time that someone outside of Mary and Joseph, Jesus' mom and dad, earthly mom and dad, uh, had him. It was the shepherds who came and saw Jesus for the very first time. And so in verse 16, it says, so they hurried off, that's the shepherds, And they found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. So a baby born in a manger, born in a barn, humble beginnings. And when they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told to them about this child. And so it began. And so the story of Jesus and his life and ministry began with Jesus born as a baby, promised to be the savior of the world. And when the shepherds had seen him, they started to spread the word and tell everybody. And when the world thought he would come as a king, he was born as a baby. And see, here's Jesus. He grew up in this village. And the village is called Nazareth. And and he grew up just like any other boy. Can you imagine, like several years from now, learning that the next door neighbor's kid is Jesus? (laughs) So this Jesus just grew up in the village like as if he was any other boy as they raised him. And we don't learn a lot about what his childhood was was like and 
We don't hear a lot about his first 11 years of life, but then we all of a sudden hear this story of when he was 12 years old. I'll get to that in a second. But what we do know about his life from the time he was a baby to the time that we hear this story about a 12-year-old young boy, it's from Luke 2.40, and it says this, and the child grew and became strong. He was filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was on him. And that's what we know about based on the gospel accounts about his childhood. But as I said, there's a recorded story about Jesus when he was 12 years old. And and what happened was his parents, Mary and Joseph and Jesus, they were traveling with the people of their village from Nazareth to Jerusalem. And every once in a while throughout the year, they would go travel there for a religious celebration. And this was called the Passover festival. And, And the journey... You know, they couldn't get in a car and drive it. Uh, The journey was a walk, and it would take about a day to get to Jerusalem. And it would take a day to get there and a day to get back to their home. Well, they got there, and because Jesus was 12 in their culture at that time, he was seen as coming into adulthood, and so it would be very normal that he wouldn't be hanging out with his mom and dad at the festival. And, and Mary and Joseph were making their way back to Nazareth, and they got home, and they recognized they were looking around, and Jesus wasn't there. He wasn't with them. Can you imagine? As a parent, a day later, you find out your kid's not with you. And so they frantically start looking. They go back to Jerusalem. You know how long it took them to find Jesus? Three days. Three days. And you know where they found him? They found him in the temple. And he was there and he was learning from the religious leaders of that day, the rabbis, because during this festival, all the wisest rabbis were gathered to share about this coming Messiah. And so Jesus wanted to be there and and kind of soak it all in and and get into dialogue with the religious leaders. And at that time, they had no idea who he was. And so uh, when Mary and Joseph found Jesus, they, they said to him like, what? Why didn't you come home with us? Where have you been and what are you doing? You know how Jesus replied in Luke 2, 49, he said this, why were you searching for me? He said, didn't you know I had to be in my father's house? He was spending time in the presence of his father. And although Mary and Joseph knew based on on how the angels had told them when they had a virgin birth, they knew that their son was the Messiah. And they knew that a time would come and they were doing their best to protect him until it was time for him to share with the world who he was. See, Jesus is nearly a teenager and he's absorbed and he's devoted in his faith to religious conversations, to learning and being in God's presence. And so we find that he's a teenager that's devoted to his faith. And and in this story, Jesus then obeys his parents and they say, come on, you gotta come back with us. And he goes home with them. And why do I tell you that story? I tell you that story, one, to understand a little bit more about Jesus and his story and what he was like and and the choices that he made as a young boy and also to remember that as parents, this is specifically for parents, we play the most influential part in our children's faith life. The way we raise our kids the way that we introduce our kids to Jesus 
and form them and, and in our home help them to have Jesus be the center of their life. As parents, we are the most influential people in their life when it comes to their faith. I wanna give you a little bit of stats around that. It's gonna shock you. A child is awake 60,000 hours by the time he or she is 12. 60,000 hours. Of these, they spend about 5,000 in school, about 2,500 in church experiences, and that's if they never missed a week, and 53,000 at home. As parents, how we raise up our kids to be around other people who love Jesus, to engage in friendships, and be influenced by other people who know Jesus is super important. The way we pray and protect our kids. See, it was Jesus' parents who led him to the religious celebrations. It was Jesus' parents who he followed for the first years of his life, who prayed for him, who taught him, who protected him as God's son. And what made Jesus different? What made Jesus different as a teenager? He was committed to fulfilling the purpose of his life at a very early age. See, when the world expects teenagers to be at their most rebellious, you don't have to, you don't have to. <laughs> Parents are like, hold on a second, I have a teenager. <laughs> you don't have to be rebellious, but the world has this stereotype about this teenage years that cause us to think those are the years that are, are most rebellious, most immature, where they make the most unwise decisions. But where did Mary and Joseph find their son? He was in the temple and he was learning about God. And he was learning from the rabbis and he was engaging in conversations and he was beginning to share wisdom. See, because Jesus was different. As a teenager, he was different. In the Gospel of John, we see recorded Jesus' first miracle. His first miracle happened when Jesus was about 30 years old. And this is the first time where his ministry begins to become public. And that just means where all of a sudden he's starting to do things that people are taking notice. And it's starting to match up with some of the things that they have been hearing about this Messiah and the Son of God. And his first miracle was to turn water into wine at a wedding. And when he did that, why did he do that? He did that to share that he was different than what they thought he was gonna be. He wanted them to know that he was personal and that he was gonna meet their needs. And that alongside of that, the other thing is this first miracle revealed how he was gonna move forward with his ministry by helping others, by speaking with authority, and by being in personal touch with people. That it was about relationship, that it was about connection, that it was about intimacy and relationship. It wasn't just a bunch of laws and rules and do this and do, don't do this. But instead, it was about relationship. Get this, he had approximately three and a half years to do his ministry. From about 30 to 33 and a half about is when he died and rose again. Three and a half years is when we see the most of the miracles that took place and we hear about Jesus' impact. And what happened was Jesus began to try to teach the Pharisees. The Pharisees were the religious of that day and he was trying to teach them the way that God was saying, 
I want relationship, but the Pharisees didn't want any part of it. And they weren't listening. And so what Jesus did was one of the most impactful things he did in his life. And he started to gather followers. He started to invite people to follow him. And he said, hey, if you want to make a life, if you want to do something special, if you want to have significance, come follow me. Come and follow me. And he invited 12 people specifically to follow him. And of those 12 people, he invited another three to be really intimately connected to him, who saw the miracles firsthand, who were there when Jesus got in a boat several times and he kind of went off to be on his own. And they're like, hey, where are you going? And he's like, hey, I need to go talk to my father. God, I need to go pray. I need to be in silence and solitude. But they were along typically on the journey and so they saw all the behind the scenes, many of it. Can you imagine being one of those people that were closest? And throughout the remainder of this series, I'm so excited. We're gonna be focusing in on the account of Jesus' life through John's eyes. And John was one of Jesus' closest friends. He was one of the three. And in the book of John, we're gonna go through these different stories throughout this series. And I believe it has the power to change us. It has the power to change us from the inside out. And what we're gonna discover is throughout his ministry, throughout Jesus' ministry, about three and a half years, his active ministry, that's what I mean, when he began his miracles and, and he began teaching with authority and speaking to the people that day, when he began to tell them who he was and what was about to happen, he had three and a half years. And as we discover more about that, we're gonna find out that he was a boldly obedient adult. He was a boldly obedient adult. That's who Jesus is. That's who he was when he was here on earth. And see, as Jesus performed the miracles, he showed people how to love. He showed people how to live. He taught people how to manage what they've been given. He shared with people what the cost of following him was gonna be. He talked to people about having worry and anxiety. He talked to them about what it looked like to be a mother or a father, to be a husband, to be a wife. And he took really seriously what it meant to be in relationship with people and to love really, really well. And to not shy away from the truth of what God would want for every one of our lives, to speak truth in people's lives, but to wrap it with a whole lot of love, to speak truth, but give a hug, you know? Give a whole lot of grace, give a whole lot of forgiveness. And as he taught that, he showed that to his closest followers. As he spoke it, he showed it to them by the way that he lived in community with them. And when it was time to fulfill the promise of his life for our life, Jesus followed through when he didn't have to. When it was finally time for Jesus to lay down his life and say, God, I will sacrifice my life. The whole purpose that I'm here on earth, I will sacrifice my life for all of their lives. When it became time for that, Jesus didn't have to, but he chose to. We read in Luke 22:42, 42, it says this in a 
intimate moment that Jesus was having with God. It says, Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me, yet not my will, but yours be done. And he said that moments before he was arrested, as he begged God, I don't wanna go through what's about to happen. But then he said, not your will, but my will. Can you imagine the example he was setting for his closest followers? The example that was being taught by the way that he lived while he was here on earth. And then what happened next? He was betrayed by one of his closest followers. He was arrested by the chief priests and elders, the religious of the day. He was brutally beaten, very close to death, but not quite. Not enough to kill him. They had to keep him alive so they could crucify him. And they got him up on a cross and they crucified him. And he finally breathed his last breath and his death is a reflection of his love for us. And it wasn't just his love for the people that were following him back then, it's his love for each and every one of us. And his death is a reflection of that love. He died a sacrificial death. And in a world where religion and rules made sense and gave order, Jesus flipped the script and he gave his life as a sacrifice so we could have life. It was countercultural. It wasn't what they expected. And then three days later, Jesus rose again and he was victorious over sin and death. And through his resurrection, he proved that he was who he said he was. Through his resurrection, he proved that everything he said and every way that he lived and everything he taught was the truth because he did what he actually said he was gonna do. There's a professor, his name's Jonathan Morrow. Here's what he has to say about the resurrection. He said, investigating the resurrection is a historical question that you can do with your eyes wide open. It's not a blind faith kind of thing like believing in the Easter bunny. <laughs> you can investigate the data of the resurrection. He goes on to say, so when it comes to the resurrection, we say, well, how do we know Jesus existed? Some people even doubt that. And the fact is we have far more sources for Jesus of Nazareth than we do for many other historical figures in the first century. They have at least 18 and 12 of those sources, data, science, 12 of those sources are non-Christian sources that prove the validity of Jesus of Nazareth. And here's the kicker. If Jesus had stayed dead, the whole thing would have been a lie. If Jesus had stayed dead and if he never resurrected, his whole life would have been a lie. See, the historical investigation points to the fact that Jesus of Nazareth really was who he said he was, that he was the son of man, resurrected savior. So who is Jesus? Jesus was born as a baby. He was a teenager devoted to faith. He was a boldly obedient adult. He died a sacrificial death and he's our resurrected savior. He is 
who he said he was when he was here on earth. He was born as a baby when people thought he'd be a king. He was a devoted teenager when they thought he was just another young boy. He boldly declared his purpose through his ministry when they thought he was a fake. He didn't fight death when they thought it wasn't part of the plan. And then he lived when they thought he'd stay dead. Conquering sin and death on our behalf, he told them that's who he was. And he told them what was gonna happen. And when he told them what was actually gonna happen, when it actually happened, people began to believe that this Jesus is who he said he was and that he is in fact the son of man. He is in fact the Messiah. In John's account of Jesus' life, John, one of his closest followers, we're gonna read about it a lot throughout this month in the book of John. John had one purpose for writing down the accounts of Jesus' life in his book. So the, every word, every story, every miracle, everything that John wrote in his book, he had one purpose for writing it. And that purpose was this. It comes from John 20, 30, 31. And it says, Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. So when you and I decide who Jesus is, and when we begin to believe that he is who he said he was, that it actually begins to change the way that we live. That our belief changes who we are and how we live our life. Throughout this series, Jesus the Influencer, we're gonna discover why we should believe that Jesus is the Son of God and live our life according to that belief. See, Jesus didn't fit the mold of being an influencer today. He didn't fit that mold at all. He wasn't trying to sway a target art audience. The target audience was humanity. He wasn't trying to sell a product. Jesus was the product. Jesus wasn't trying to entertain people. He was trying to show them how to live. So the question is, do you want influence? Do you want the kind of influence Jesus had? You may have to stop following some other influencers and decide to follow the greatest influencer of all time. And his name is Jesus Christ. And what would it look like if a group of people in Fargo, Moorhead, West Fargo, surrounding communities got real passionate about this idea of Jesus being the greatest influencer of our lives? And not just when we come to church on Sunday, but when we leave here seven days a week, 24-7, what if we got really serious about Jesus being the number one greatest influencer of our lives? What kind of impact would that have in our homes, 
in our lives, in our neighborhoods, in our communities, in our schools. See, when you choose Jesus to be the greatest influencer in your life, your character will become like his. And no longer are we worried about the circumstances of our life. We're more concerned about who Jesus is and we're more concerned about who we are on the inside. Not what we look like, not what we put out there for the world to see, not the filtered versions of our story, but the parts of us that Jesus can see anyway, the who in us becomes the greatest influence because we're following the greatest influencer of all time. So we're gonna be challenged. No doubt in my mind, the next four weeks are gonna be some of the most challenging messages because we're gonna be challenged in our character. And that's the things that are inside of us that, that you know what, sometimes it's really hard to change, but I believe that with the power of Jesus Christ living in us and him making way into our life to become our greatest influencer, that change can happen for every single one of us. And so over the next four weeks, as we are challenged to grow in our character, we're gonna cover these four character traits, discernment, generosity, courage, humility. Wouldn't it be great if all of us began walking around with a little bit more discernment, live our life with a little more generosity, a little more courage, and humility, but I want you to know those four character traits, I'm not talking about the way our culture and our world describes those things. I'm talking about the way that Jesus showed us how to live out those four things. And that's what we're gonna learn together and I can't wait for it. I'm so excited as we learn more about his life and all the stories that we're gonna learn come from the book of John. And as I already said, he was closest to Jesus and I want all of us to commit to growing in our understanding of who Jesus is and growing in our character to become more like him. So you know what we're gonna do? We're gonna do a Bible reading plan together as a church family. And so if you've never done that before, uh, right now, for real, pick up, grab your phones. Everybody grab your phones. You can ignore your text messages and all the other stuff, but grab your phones. And right now, I want you if you've already got the YouVersion Bible app, you can scan the code up there and they've got a, now we can be a part of, it's called My Church, Find My Church and it'll be Prairie Heights. And so all of us can be part of the same plan. If you've never downloaded the YouVersion Bible app, I want you to start there. So grab your phone and download that right now. Go ahead and download the app and then you can find Prairie Heights. And then we're gonna go through this Bible reading plan over the next 21 days together, it starts on Monday, and we're gonna begin to learn more and more about who Jesus is. We're gonna challenge each other. You can comment, and we're gonna do it together as a church family, which I believe is gonna bring a whole lot of unity. It's gonna bring a whole lot of unity. And as we're finding our people together, as we're... Uh, having opportunities to find more unity. I believe God's word and his scripture can bring the greatest unity to a family. And I love that we get to be family together here at Prairie Heights. And so um, I'm gonna come back to you as, as I close here and then we're gonna close with a song. When Jesus becomes our greatest influencer, real change, lasting change can happen.
When you think about your life here on earth and, and there is a day that you're no longer gonna be here and you're gonna have to at some point ask yourself, am I living the way I want today? Am I living in a way today that when I'm gone, I've left the greatest influence I can on the generations behind? And who better to learn from than Jesus Christ, the greatest influencer of all time? So let me pray for all of us. God, I thank you so much for this day. I thank you for these people. I thank you, God, that you came to this earth as fully God and fully human to save each and every one of us, that there's nothing that could separate us from your love. And so even right now, God, if there's someone who hasn't received you in their life, God, who hasn't said yes to you and today they need to say yes to you, that you did in fact come as a baby, that you died a brutal death and you resurrected, that you are who you said you were and that they wanna follow you, God, if that's the prayer of their heart, hey, uh, could you just raise your hand? Eyes are closed. Just raise your hand again if that's the prayer of your heart today. That you wanna, you wanna follow the greatest influencer of all time, Jesus Christ, who came here for you and for me. And then I pray a special prayer over uh, all those who have already made the commitment to follow. And Jesus, today, I know that we come with a variety of struggle, a variety of worry, a variety of um, needs. And so right now in this moment, God, we come to you with our needs. And so uh, right now in the quietness of your heart, just speak a need to God. He's listening. He's right here. He wants to hear from you. He loves you more than any other. There's no need too small. There's no challenge too big that God can't come in and give you peace and give you his power. And so God, we invite you in. We love you so much and we thank you for this time together. We pray all this in your name, amen. Thank you for listening. A special thanks to those of you who give generously to Prairie Heights. It's because of you that this ministry is possible. You can click the link in the description to give now or visit prairieheights.com give for more information. And if you've enjoyed the podcast, you can subscribe, share it with your friends, or even take a screenshot and share it on your social media and tag us at Prairie Heights. Thanks for listening and God bless.